Hi, welcome to the Curvy Culture Podcast. I'm Andrea Westbrook and my mission is to create a world where everyone feels that they can thrive, regardless of their body size. I acknowledge the Yuggera and Turbal nations as the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and learn, and their continuing connection to the land, water and community. I pay respect to them and their elders, past, present and emerging. All content related to this program is for general informational purposes only and may contain stories and discussions about diet culture, weight loss, disordered eating, weight stigma, fat phobia and anti-fat bias that may be disturbing to some listeners. If you are concerned about yourself or someone you know, please seek professional and individual help and support. In today's episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Julie Parker. Julie is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, co-founder of Priestess Temple School, and a mentor, counsellor, coach, supervisor, and guide for sacred leaders and space holders. Julie has trained thousands of life coaches from around the world to birth their soul businesses and has had a thriving counselling and coaching practice for nearly two decades. As a devoted and practicing priestess, Julie is committed to contributing to a world where presence, healing and social justice are honored. Welcome to the Curvy Culture Podcast, Julie Parker. Thank you, Andrea. I'm really thrilled to be a guest here with you today. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. So for our listeners, I want to be really clear and transparent that I first met Julie in 2020 as I completed my life coaching certification and studies with the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy. And the reason I wanted to invite Julie here for this conversation is because one of the main reasons I chose Beautiful You Coaching Academy was due to their commitment and values around justice equity and inclusion and I saw this from my very first interaction with Beautiful You and what really struck me was there were fat people like me in the marketing and branding materials but it wasn't really until I was about halfway through the course that I fully started well not even fully but I started to understand how serious Julie and her team are committed to this and how deeply embedded it is to the core of their business. So to kick us off, Julie, I'd love for you to share some of the history of Beautiful You Coaching Academy and to understand were those values around equity, justice and inclusion something that you embedded from the start or was it something that evolved along the journey? Oh, thank you for asking this really beautiful journey-like question, Andrea, and what a privilege it is that I feel to be able to speak and and share about it with people. The truth is, is that it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. You know, values of inclusion in particular have always been present in my professional life through Mm -hmm. what I did, first of all, as a social worker, working with very marginalised young people and also as a psychotherapist I worked for many years with a specialisation in eating disorders. Mm -hmm. 
And so in my practice, I saw a very broad range of people uh, that came in an extremely broad range of shapes, sizes, presentations, both mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And you can't do that sort of work unless you really have a capacity and understanding to hold space mm -hmm. for the nuance of the pain of what it can mean for somebody to be walking through the world uh, in what would be described in medical terms with a, an anorexic yep. uh, presentation yep. um, right through to somebody that society would label as morbidly obese. Yep. But women such as you and I who live in fat bodies because I live in a fat body as well, would prefer to say was fat. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. in, in, and of, in, and of, yeah. in and of itself. And so for me, both as a woman having a lived experience of knowing what it's like to live in a marginalised and disrespected body, Mm -hmm. uh, in in some ways, it was always something that was very, very important to me right from the very beginning. It has, however, significantly deepened over time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's often what happens to people on a journey that involves their values really coming into the forefront with them or for them or by them around justice, equity, and inclusion mm. and it begins to widen and deepen in so many other ways because of course body size and discrimination and appearance is only one form uh of this there yeah. are things to do with race yes. and class and privilege and neurodiversity and gender identity and sexuality and so many other things so it's always been there is the yeah. answer but it's definitely deepened over time. And I think that that's come about mostly because of my own confidence in using my voice, using my yep. platform, using my own privilege to speak up and more about these things as I've gotten older, stronger, more embodied in who I am and caring less about what others may think or offending or hurting or upsetting people and just going, but this is the right thing to do. If that doesn't resonate with you, I'm okay with that. Beautiful. That is such a powerful explanation. And I really love how you touched on the other areas such as race and gender, ability, sexuality, because a lot of organisations in their DNI strategies are are talking to those groups, they've set goals around those areas, but size seems to be the last bastion of that diversity and inclusion conversation. Why do you think that is? Oh, Andrea, what a great <laughs> question. Wow. Do you know, I of course, I can only speak to it from my opinion. Yeah. Of, of, course, of course, because we don't specifically or necessarily no, on a, on a broader scale. But I wonder whether sometimes it's because to a certain extent it's so deeply personal but also unexpressed mm -hmm. in many ways people's both internalised oppression yep. around their own appearance 
and their own body and how they feel about that, but then also their own thoughts and feelings around other people's bodies as well. You know, I once saw an episode of Oprah where there was a guest on the show and I cannot even remember who they are. It was a very, very long time ago. Mm -hmm. And Oprah was interviewing her uh, and one of the things that she said was, if you want to really hurt a woman, you will either call her fat Mm -hmm. or a bad mother. Yep. Yeah. That's, That's how you get her. Yeah. Like if you really want to rip another woman down, that's the way you'll do it. And I remember her saying that, to, and I'm a stepmother, I'm not yeah. a birth mother, but a stepmother to an adult. And I was thinking, do you know what? There is a lot of accuracy in that. Absolutely. Uh, for a lot of women, right? I'm at the point now where if anybody said something like that to me, I would go, well, yes, I am. And the second one is, well, that's none of your business. How would yeah, you know? Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's really true. It just seems to, because we attach as women so much value and because society attaches so much value to our bodies and yes. what we look like. And if we don't meet that ideal of tall, thin, white, young, beautiful, big breasted, small waisted, long legged, the <laughs> whole and yep. clear skin long fingernails, delicate hands, petite feet, like, you know, the slender ankles. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. (laughs) If we don't meet even some of those things, let alone all of those things, we think that there's something wrong with us. Yes. And so I think it's the last bastion because it impacts so many of us. It hurts so many of us. It tears at our heart in some way or another and presses those those heartful pain points of I'm not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought up the concept of internalised depression because I clearly remember when I read uh, that component in one of our Beautiful You modules and it was like someone had hit me in the heart with an arrow and said this this is your experience in words I had always thought this is just the way life is I'm fat and this is just my lot in life but it wasn't until I read that module that I I was just floored and thought oh my god I can actually articulate my experience now and this is why I need to share it with other people because I know if I didn't know that until 2020 there are potentially millions of other women like me out there that still don't know it. Without question, Andrea, and this is something that is so widespread, you know, oppressive systems and beliefs and so-called standards of society. You know, I remember once working with a client who was in her 60s and she had never really uncovered for herself or knew a great deal about patriarchal influence yes, in yes. life, right? Yeah. And when we started to unravel some of the beliefs that she had, that which included things like she always needed to be at home at a particular time to serve and look after her husband. Okay, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Right? That's just one of the things. There were many, many other beliefs that she had. 
it wasn't until she started to look at how she had internalised the beliefs that she didn't even get to control around what it was to be a good wife, yeah. what, it, what it was to be a good partner, what her role in life should primarily look like, yeah. that she realised that she'd taken on board all sorts of beliefs that she actually didn't even agree with. Yeah. But they were so internalised within her that they just become part of her everyday life and subconscious programming. And when we start to unravel Mm. those things, we begin to really, that's when we begin to really step into our own power. Absolutely. And, of course, all of us have these things. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have believed many, many things about myself and my appearance in my life and career that if I hadn't committed to unravelling them or questioning them in some way would have kept me hidden. Yeah, absolutely. That really resonates with me. And I love that example that you use because it's really about our power really is in unpacking those beliefs, working out, well, which ones don't work for us? I'm going to try and start to leave those behind and pick the ones that do work for me and take those forward with me. Yes, absolutely, because we do have a choice here in in what we choose to believe about ourselves and what we think is right for us. And that's not necessarily always what we were taught growing up. That's right. It's certainly yeah, what a yeah. mag it's certainly not necessarily what a magazine may tell us. Absolutely. It's not necessarily what the education system may tell us. Um, we get to decide these things and thank goodness for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Julie, I'd love to know what has this commitment or your commitment to inclusivity and social justice and equity meant in terms of your brand and the types of students slash customers that you attract? Yeah, well, you know what? This is such a wonderful question, Andrea, Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for this conversation and you asking it of me because People have asked me, and I've been interviewed about Mm. this topic before, but I've never actually been asked that from from a branding perspective. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier in our conversation was that you had noticed before you even enrolled Mm -hmm. in our course that there were photographs and images of fat people in our marketing And for anybody that has seen and known us, in 99% of cases, particularly in more current years, we only use real-life photographs of our own coaches, um, attending our events, participating in things, you know, all of that kind of thing. (laughs) And I really do owe ramping this up in this area to wonderful black racial educators Mm -hmm. that I worked with in the social justice space around this that really helped me to see and everyone else that Mm. was being lovingly taught by them that people can't believe things often until they actually see representation of it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I knew that but I don't think I really knew it until they explained that to me many years ago now in such incredible depth. And they said, 
And it really made me realize and understand, well, it's no wonder that so many people think that the only way you could be a successful life coach is if you were young and thin and able-bodied and, you know, looked like an Instagram influencer. Yeah. Just the same as I'm sure many people of who, who do not, who are different races, cultures, things like that, make the assumptions, well, I could never be an award-winning ex because I don't see any black women yes. being given that recognition. Or... Uh, you know, an LGBTQIA person never believing that they could be the head of a Fortune 500 CEO company, anything like that, because somebody's not consciously clear and talking about that part of their life in that. And it's not known. They can't see. They can't see it. And so I thought, well, hang on a second here. We have to do something about that. And... That was, some people might think, well, that's easy. You just go ahead and do it, mm-hmm. right? You just use those photos. But I'm here to tell you and be really vulnerable and honest and say it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. And this is where someone's internalised oppression and own bias comes to the fore because, and this happens when people start using people, in, you know, in other cultures, races, yes. different representations, all those things you instantly start to think, but what will people think? Yeah, yeah. Well, will people think that they have to be fat or will people think that, I'm, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things like that I'm lazy because, of course, we know that that's a big myth and yes. a big belief. It's like will people think that they'll become fat? Yeah, okay, yeah. Right? And yeah. This is, this, this is the, the really ridiculous sort of thinking that comes forth that we know often then stops people in their tracks yeah okay it's just easier to pick the photos of the young white girls that everyone's going to go oh yeah Yeah. that's what it's you know all that sort of stuff and it's just like no we can't do this anymore this is ridiculous it's like we we have to do this and of course, all of those ridiculous thoughts and notions fall away because then the people that we already had that felt we were brave enough and safe enough to hold them in exactly who they were, it then began to attract more and more people. And that's happened for us across the board. And if you go to one of our events now, you see people of all different ages, shapes, sizes, cultures, race, colour, um, presentation, yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff, and that's exactly the way that it should be. Absolutely. And so from a branding perspective, mm-hmm. that specifically has supported us enormously, but we really didn't do it for that reason. Mm-hmm. And, of course, nobody should yeah. do it for that reason. We did it because we needed to get over ourselves. These people are a part of our community. And also, Julie, this is also what you look like as well. And come on, get out there, all of that sort of stuff. And so, I mean, look, it's a whole other big conversation in and of itself, but it just became really, really important for us to do. And Mm. now we just do it automatically. We just choose 
all sorts of different combinations of people yep. and we don't even have to give it a second thought anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's fabulous. And I, I can personally vouch for that representation because I've been to a handful of Beautiful You events and I've seen that representation myself. And, of course, I still follow Beautiful You, so I see the the material that comes out of it and the photographs. So, yeah, Julie is absolutely 100% on the money when she shares that with you. Julie. I'm going to take a slightly different twist now. What you've really gave some great insight about some of the beliefs and thoughts that came up for you when starting on this journey. What are some of the things that people seem to misunderstand you about your mission and around inclusivity? You know, I feel very blessed to say, Andrea, that I don't think or at least if they do, they haven't expressed it to me, mm -hmm. that a lot of people have really had misunderstandings or issues about it. I'm sure that there are some people out there who may think certain things, mm -hmm. but they've not necessarily told me. Like okay. one of the things that I think some people might possibly interpret the work we do in this realm is that it's for we're only doing it for financial gain and profit. Yeah. Yep. So there could genuinely be some people who mm -hmm. think that. Uh, it's not the case because our primary driver for this, if someone was to ask me, is just simply to create an industry that is inclusive and equitable and incredibly diverse and representative of the human race mm -hmm. and way of being that we possibly can because our clients are all different ages, shapes, yep. sizes, race, colours and abilities. And so why would we think that as coaches they would not want to see us as service providers reflected in that? Mm -hmm. That's the primary driver here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to break that, that myth, that mould of people thinking, well, to be a successful, thriving life coach and support people. You have to look a certain way, do things a yeah. certain way. And this is like, no, 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 no. And But I'm sure that people must think that. I'm sure people must think a lot of things, but I feel very blessed that nobody's actually said anything outright to me. Mm -hmm. But I would welcome them to if they wanted to mm. and open up a dialogue and conversation about it. But that, so I suppose that's one mm. of the things I think that people might. Okay, think. yeah, it's not actually been expressed to me, yeah. so I don't really know. Okay, it's a really interesting. I'm glad you brought up about the bottom line and maybe the motivation around making money, because I've worked in the in the corporate world, and there's some organisations who think about diversity and inclusion through that lens. So I really love that you brought it up and that it's actually bigger than that and that it's a, I guess, a theory that you could apply to any industry that your customers want to see themselves reflected in your staff in, and in your brand. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely believe that they do. And you know what? I'm prob this is this brand probably comes to mind yes. um, from the perspective that I have a young niece that has okay. just been e employed there. But I actually think about McDonald's. Yes, okay, right? yeah. 
And, you know, I'm not necessarily, a, you know, an enormous fan or, you know, anything like that or, but one thing I do appreciate about them is that whenever I have been over many years in and out of a McDonald's in some way, or so, one of the things that I notice is that the more often than not young people, and yeah. we know why they employ young people, and that's problematic in and of itself mm-hmm. and a whole other conversation. But if it's one thing I really notice about them is that they employ young people of all different shapes and sizes. Mm, they do. I have yeah. always, it is something I have always noticed and I've yeah. always seen where you could not necessarily say that same thing about, say, for example, young women's fashion stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's right? in, yeah, and McDonald's is an interesting example because they have done that for many years. I believe so. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I feel as I feel as I've seen that for a long time. Yeah, and the irony of it is, in speaking about those fashion stores, that they may carry clothing up to, you know, it could be a size 16, 18, you know, something like that. And, of course, we know that there can be sizes that are much more inclusive beyond that. And yet you never see or very, very rarely see any of the people working in the store that would wear that end of the range. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like hmm. that's deliberate. It's deliberate. And that's that's a whole other big conversation because then, too, there's the fact that, Quite often, the larger sizes are not even available in store. But we won't go there today. We're going to stick with um, your business. <laughs> so I'd love to know, Julie, what this is a pretty, and I think we're having a pretty open and honest conversation. So I hope you don't mind me asking this question. But what's been the biggest mistake you've made in your journey to creating this diverse business? And what did you learn from that? Mm. Look, I think taking so long to to really just get out yeah. there and and make more visible changes and be more inclusive. You know, when I look back now, I mean, it's been this way for years and so for many people, lots of people would consider that to be a long period of time. But when I think about my depth and breadth in this industry, I do wish that I had done it much earlier than I did. Uh, and really, but at the same time, these things are a journey. Yeah, absolutely. They are, a, and mm. none of us can come to these sorts of things until we are fully grounded in what it is that we know and believe and need to do. And obviously it was just not the right time for me to do that before then. And that was probably because I was establishing, you know, a new business and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and, you know, didn't didn't move in that direction. But I also think it's because I did an enormous amount of inner work on mm-hmm. myself. And, you know, I had to go through that journey myself yeah. of, of really allowing myself to be seen and letting go of all of the myths and internalised beliefs that I had that I couldn't have a successful mm-hmm. business as a, as a plus-size woman, that people would not take me seriously, that, 
uh, people would look at me and think, oh, but she's fat and therefore she must be lazy mm-hmm. and she must be this and she must be all those awful beliefs yep. that we can hold about ourselves and hold about other people that are constructs of our own mind and have no basis in mm. truth whatsoever, but our own minds can make them so. So I wish I had started earlier. Yes. Um, there, there is no, there's no question about that. And now I just want to keep pushing, you know, pushing the envelope with it all the time and just really, really getting braver and braver and, just being more of a leader, I guess, and that will involve likely doing things and showing things that may ne- not necessarily have ever been seen in this industry before. Ooh. And, yeah, and I don't necessarily know what that looks yeah. like, but I know, for example, that the very first time that we ever released branding, this is many years ago out into the world, that we promoted one of our life coaches, life coaching courses with a fat black woman front and center. I remember thinking to myself, I have never seen Mm. anything like this in this industry. And isn't that a disgrace? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the point where I got to with it, Andrew. I was like, this is a disgrace. You know, this is ridiculous. And, And now we show all sorts of different things at different times. And I just want to keep doing that not for the sake of shock and awe or anything like that, but because we need representation and we need, as we were talking about before, mm-hmm. for people to see themselves uh, in this way um, in so many different ways. Yeah, it was the same for the first time when we showed a disabled coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. marketing, branding in a wheelchair. Yeah. It was like I've never seen that before. How is it that I've never seen that before? This do it, Julie. Come on, do it. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And now we are starting to see it more across different industries, which is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I love that that message. It's actually really resonating with me about stop taking your time with it. We need this. Let's get out and do it and make a difference to people. It's an urgent mm-hmm. need. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would love to ask you about language because when I um, talk to businesses and organisations, one of the the barrier, first barriers is I hear I hear is oh, but I don't know what language to use. I don't want to offend anyone or say the wrong thing. So how? And this is what puts them off, including but particularly body size in their DNI strategies. And this links back to what we were saying, what you said earlier around. You know, there's a lot of shame tied up in how we describe women's bodies. So what advice would you give to anyone who's finding that to be a hurdle? Mm. Well, the first thing that I want to say is something that many people might not necessarily like, and that is that there is no one way to say things Mm -hmm. that means that you're going to get a green light, a tick and a cupcake from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it just doesn't exist because for every person, if you use a word like plus size mm-hmm. or curvy 
or larger bodied may really like and resonate and appreciate that, there will be somebody else that will hate it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and there will be somebody else that will be offended mm-hmm. by it, outright offended. And, of course, we know the word fat and how loaded that is, Yeah, you know, and how we're trying to reclaim it and all that sort of stuff. But for many, many people, they're not there yet. Yeah, absolutely agree. That they are mm. not there yet and they still consider it to be so deeply offensive and so deeply hurtful, whereas for other people they find it empowering mm-hmm. and liberating. So there is no one way here. The, the next thing that I think is talk to people who are having a lived experience with this. Yeah, yeah. Don't make assumptions uh, about anything. You know, do not make assumptions if you are not a black woman about what is right for a yeah. black woman or if you are not a disabled man or you are not a, a trans woman or a, a queer, you know, person. Like, don't make assumptions around those things. Ask people, and particularly people for whom your statement and your workplace and your business is going to have a direct impact on, Mm. while also simultaneously not relying upon their labour, but also educating yourself at the same time around some of those things. Because you don't just want to go, well, you just tell me what to say. Yeah. Right? You just tell me what is right. You have to have buy-in here too and you have to bring to the table your own education, your own learning and things that you're exploring around this as well and your own education. And then anything is better than nothing. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that, right, I think that's the third point I'd like to make. Just have a go. Anything is better than nothing. And to understand you may need tweaks, changes, all of those things along the way, and that that's okay. Language is fluid. It is not static in any way. Mm. And if it's one thing I've learned on this path is that at one point in time, something that in one year is really appropriate and is great, another year you learn something about it or something else comes forth Mm -hmm. and the realisation actually becomes that's no longer appropriate. Yeah, that's right. And you just, you've got to roll with those things and and be flexible about it. Yeah. 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 And I actually think a lot of it too comes back to your intent. If you're Mm -hmm. operating from a, a, a place within your heart where you want to help people and serve and do better, for your customers, your staff, your team, that will convey itself in in your communications and hopefully will override the language that you use. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We can all hope that for sure. Mm. And let's hope that that is the case. It isn't all the time though. Yeah. And There are still, and this is where we have to be really careful and nuanced and to understand that while it may be okay for some, it might not be for others. And so Mm. some may see our intent. For others, though, the intent doesn't equal the impact. Yeah. 
And that's something that we have to take into account as we go along as well. Mm. Because sometimes what happens is that this is where people can get at times they can lean back on their intent as an excuse uh, to then not change, great right? Point. Yeah. Right. They can say something like, but it wasn't my intention to hurt you. Mm. It wasn't my intention to upset you. But the reality is it's happened. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so if yeah. it's happened, that means that something needs to shift. Yeah. And that may be just simply we need to shift in a conversation with each other. Language may need to shift. How something's phrased may need to shift in some way or a shift in mindset may need to occur. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean something has to physically change. It may just mean that a deeper conversation needs to open up. You could Mm. only just see at the time. Yeah. Mm. And I'm just thinking that potentially such beautiful shifts can come from these conversations. They often do, Andrea, Mm. and therefore we have to be brave enough to have them. But what happens is that when conflictual situations like this arise, so often what occurs is that people become defensive and shut Mm. down. Yeah, yeah. And they retreat. They, They do, yeah. Or they fire up and want to burn it down or go see it's all too hard. I told you. I told you all of this stuff was going to be too hard. I told you we were going to upset people. I told you that this was nobody was going to agree with this and so let's just sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. And that's, of course, the worst thing to do. It is. It absolutely is, yeah. So what would you, if someone's feeling that need to fire up or get defensive, what would you advise them to do in that situation? Really come back to your why Mm. around what it was that you were doing here in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if that was to be more inclusive, size and otherwise, in your workplace, in your business, then you will find a way forward. If your intent was true and heartful from the beginning and that was to actually create a business or a workplace that was genuinely more humane for us all, you will find a way through. You will drop Mm. the defensiveness. You will find some soften and some flexibility. You will open your heart and you will listen. You'll not take things so personally. And you'll try to find a conscious way forward because that desire that why of you doing it in the first place, we cannot afford to have one person, one business or one workplace give that up. We can't afford to have anyone say, this is too hard, Mm. I'm throwing in the towel, I can't do this because quite literally our connection to each other as human beings and humanity requires us to dig in, be in the mess, mm-hmm. say yes and move forward. Mm. Such a powerful message. Julie Parker, this has been the most wonderful conversation. I want to say thank you for your generosity of heart, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise and your experiences in this space 
I know you are inspiring me and thousands of other people on this diversity and inclusion journey. And I hope that we're taking some of your spirit and carrying that forward and, and, you know, adding to the ripple of change that you've started. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Andrea, so much. And can I just say, honestly, like I I clutch my heart Mm -hmm. and and my pearls at the same time. When, when I say just how truly extraordinarily grateful and in awe I am for you and the work that you do as a coach in this world, you know, when you start a business like mine and you're trying to attract the most wonderful human beings into that, who'll then go out into the world and serve with their gifts and with their passions, you dream of people like you. And you you. dream of the difference that you make in in fat and curvy and plus-size women's and people's lives. And so just thank you for being an embodiment of just everything that is good and wonderful about the coaching industry. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this wonderful interview with Julie Parker. I hope this has got you thinking about how you might be able to incorporate size inclusion into the inclusion strategy for your business. If you'd like to connect with Julie or learn more about her, head on over to my website, andreawestbrook.com.au forward slash podcast, and you can find all of Julie's details there. Now, I know sometimes it can be hard. You might want to help and support the fat people in your life, but you're not quite sure how to go about it. Well, make sure you tune in for our next episode because I'll be speaking with Serena Nungia and she'll be sharing her best tips and why it's important that you step up and be an ally to fat people. Thank you for listening to the Curvy Culture Podcast. I love having you here. If you have enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe at your favourite podcast platform so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love it if you could leave a rating and review. And don't forget to share it with a friend so that they can come and hang out with us too.